Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think about it too when you say that. Like I was thinking about it as you were saying it. Is that the right name? Because we just rebranded and we, we have did. A new name. We did. We just rebranded, <laughs> and Alex is back for another fun-filled crime blotter intro here. So welcome, Alex. Thank you. I'm like your Ed McMahon. I'm just going to sit in the chair next to you and and you know laugh at your jokes. Yeah, or three houses down, whatever works. Every now and then I have to bring out a big check. Like that's once a year I have to bring out a big check and award it to someone. Yeah, we'll get you a big check. Maybe someone will win a big check because, you know, um, you're giving us a crime report and I'm going to tell tell everyone if it's uh, true or false because, you know, we're playing. Got the game. it. We're true playing. crime or false crime. Still looking for the good name on that. Still mm-hmm. waiting for somebody to send in the the, the perfect suggestion uh, for that. And where are they sending that name? Uh, that suggestion, Tracy? Tracy at TracyBrown.com. It's T-R-A-C-I. Fantastic. Tracy with an I. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this version of true crime versus false crime, I've got four stories here. These are going to be shorties. They're one sentence each. And we're just going to do this in rapid fire mode. I'm going to fire them out there and I'm going to get a true or false from Tracy. You ready to go? I'm ready. Florida man. Oh, no way. <laughs> we're back Florida? to Florida. Yeah, this oh, one, we're still with our focus on Florida just because mm-hmm. there's it's such a target rich environment down there. <laughs> uh, Florida man arrested for attempting to steal a 60 foot aluminum power pole by strapping it to the roof of his minivan and driving down multi lane streets in town. I'm going to say true on that. Absolutely true. That was recent. Yeah, those are expensive. Like, you, I don't know. They're going to catch him at the recycler, though, but. I'm sure <laughs> it is a big aluminum pole. But uh, when he was arrested, uh, they asked him about it. And his comment was, uh, I didn't think anybody would notice. Oh, well, you know what? I saw someone hit one of those once and they come right down. Oh, they- yeah. They're designed to do that, to fold mm-hmm. over rather yeah. than kill you. You know, mm-hmm. was yeah. the idea. Florida man was caught on tape in a pet store in Bradenton attempting to steal pigeons while wearing a trash bag and a bucket on his head. Oh, I'm going to say false on that. I don't think he can see with the bucket. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe he cut holes in the bucket or something, but that story is true. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. They've got the video footage of him. So he did. He did what he he stole. Well, he put pigeons? on a he was trying to steal pigeons. He put on a trash bag, sort of like an emergency raincoat trash bag. That was okay. the idea right. and put a bucket over his head. I don't know how he saw anything, but that was what was in the video picture that was in this little news blurb that I found was a guy up on, I think like a small step ladder and uh, wearing a bag and a bucket. on his head. Oh my God. But they, but they did uh, arrest him. So it didn't work. They did arrest him. It did not work, but that leads us to our next story. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Keep unable coming. to wait until the 4th of July, a Florida man set his stash of fireworks off a day early. And in the process, he blew off several fingers. Uh, that has got to be true. Absolutely true. That yeah. does not that I don't I do not believe that that is limited to Florida. I think that no, happens every I think that happens every day, not even for the July. I think it's every day. It probably does. I mean, that's the only way really to learn the power of a firecracker is to close your hand around it and set it off. Uh, yeah. 
And yeah, what uh, could possibly go wrong? I think most every kid has done that. Yeah, I haven't done that, but um, I have created my own uh, souped up firework. Really? How'd you do that? Uh, well, my uncle uh, helped me and because uh, he's good for that kind of stuff. And uh, we hollowed Which out. Which uncle is this? Again? Uh, not the blind one. The one, <laughs> the one that's... Is this the one with the pianos and he in- yeah. owns the entire city block? Yeah. And yeah, he, has he, has a, a, he has a piano store in Arkansas. Anyway, so yeah. um, the, uh, we would, and this is when we were kids, he would hollow out a cherry bomb for us and we would unroll the black cats and put and get all the gun or whatever explodes in there, gunpowder, yeah. and uh, fill up the cherry bomb and make one awesome firework. Huh. Okay. You know, I wonder if you could do the same, if you could make a jumbo version like in a, uh, in a toilet paper roll. Well, I, I imagine you could, or you could just buy yourself some M80s and be all right. Of course, I think at that point you're you're looking at pipe bomb and domestic terrorism charges. Well, so you probably that's want to what stay they call it that. now. In the early yeah. '80s, it was just fire. It was just fun. <laughs> 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 the early '80s it was like it was weekend fun. Is what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was totally. summer. <laughs> mm-hmm. A Florida man proudly claimed on social media recently that he is the first ever to vape semen. Oh, I don't yeah. even want to think about that. I'm going to say because I don't want to think about that. I'm going to say false. Yeah, that one's true. Oh, God. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I think it was in 2015. But yeah, that was a headline that I caught. Well, you know what? World records, they happen every day. So. All right. So keeping score on this one, we are 50-50. We are. Okay. Yeah, you got half of those you, and you didn't get half. Those were such bizarre stories. There was no way to know. There was no way to know. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, okay. We're, we're, um, we're even on the score. I think it is time. Uh, knowing that, it's time for me to get to the interview. Let's so that's where we're going now. Jimmy Scalzo visits truth, lies, and cover-ups today. Listen to find out how his success and a family business disagreement led him to commit mortgage fraud and bring his extended family down with him. He'll reveal the mindset it takes to do what he did and exactly how long it took him to snap out of it. You'll be surprised at that one and much, much more. Enjoy. Jimmy, thank you so much Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Now you are in where? Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. And um, we talked a little bit and, and I I know you'll do a better intro of yourself than I will, but but the, the short story is you had a little trouble with some bank fraud, uh, mortgage fraud. And so why don't you just let us know, you know, who, who are you? And then we can dive into what happened and go from there. Sure. You're, you're kind because it was more than a little trouble. Uh, so uh, it's, um, it's a situation where uh, I'm born and raised in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a Catholic school boy, uh, got out of college, went to work for some community banks, had no aspiration of getting into banking. And um, at the time I started to get into financial services, the culture was changing from maybe uh, an industry that was in the Dick Van Dyke era to an industry that was becoming very salesy and personality or charisma or the ability to go out and talk to people was coming in. Yeah. So uh, the president of the bank asked me if I had an interest in a job. I said, no, I was making $3 and 75 cents an hour. He told me it paid $23,000 to start. So I loved banking immediately. Yeah. And I started uh, this career and then, you know, I had some success early. Uh, and as I grew uh, up the career ladder and moved, 
um, I decided I was going to do some investment real estate. I did it with family, which was a horrible mistake. And the long and the short of it, Tracy, is um, my two partners were my two first cousins. They got in an argument. One drained our checking account. We didn't have any money to cover the the bills or the payments that were due. Oh and boy! So I made a loan that I benefited from. And, and, and you, you were the loan officer. Yeah. What's day. crazy is what's crazy is none of the real estate loans to purchase the properties were ever done at a bank. I worked at ever, not even for a minute. They were all done at a, at a different bank approved by the bank's board, all hundred percent above board. But uh, when things got ugly there and you get desperate and you panic and you don't think mm -hmm. straight. Uh, I made a loan to my cousin that clearly was to help and benefit me. And that's how this whole mess started. Um, this horrible indiscretion started to go down that snowball path. Okay. So, so let's talk about that. So, so you make, you make one loan to your cousin to cover uh, the losses from really like a family argument. Sounds like. So it started. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then like, so how much was that loan? 167,000. Okay. And then, Cause you, cause you keep saying it started there. So let's, let's talk about that. So you made the loan now, if, if it, so, so you made a loan to benefit you. So what were the terms of the loan or the, the decisions made on the loan made by you or were they made by um, like an underwriting department or like, was it, how, oh, how no, shady no. was it here? Or was it shady it, at all? It, it, no, it was as shady as yet. I mean, I had a $750,000 lending limit. Um, you know, I was a senior officer at the bank. It was, it was shady. It was, it was solely intended to save my backside. Um, it's, it was about as stupid as it gets. Okay. So what happens next? So, so did you pay off the losses or cover, cover what you needed for this investment real estate? And, and then what, what happens? So what happened was uh, we needed collateral for the loan. So we used my aunt and uncle's house as collateral mm -hmm. and my cousin took the loan papers. They came back signed. I notarized them. I never questioned the signature. I wired him the money. Mm -hmm. And the properties never performed better for a year until the homeowner's um, insurance clause came to show them that they needed to renew their homeowner's insurance. And it says on the bottom, first mortgage, and then it names the bank's name. And they're like, we don't have a mortgage on the house. On your aunt's house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. My aunt and uncle's house. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. So yeah. you put their house. Now, how'd you get the papers to put their house up? Or was it just, you just fake the, someone fake the signature? So let me backfill this story a little bit. Okay. All right. So in all the years that I was in banking, um, it's an industry where the salespeople and the operations people really don't like each other. Right. And the reason being is, is, is the operations people think the salespeople are full of poop. And the salespeople think the operations people are an impediment to getting something done. Exactly. Right. So uh, I knew uh, coming up the ranks where all the cracks were mm -hmm. in the system. So uh, I did the underwriting on a loan presentation. I ordered the title work. I had an appraisal done. I, I mean, it was all done with the wrong intentions. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm in a position where I can tell the operations department, draw up these papers. I'm putting this credit through mm -hmm. and nobody, that's the thing, you know, I mean, right or wrong, when you get to a certain level in the banking world, especially in the community banks, 
it's not like someone's going to stand up and question you, you know, I mean, they just kind of go along to the beat of the music and um, papers were drawn. The loan is funded. The money's wired out. And, you know, that's that's how it went. Okay, so your aunt and uncle find out about this. What happens with that? So, oh, great question. So essentially, uh, (laughs) I was at the zoo with my kids. My mom called and said, hey, I don't know what happened, but there's a war going on. You better find out. I go to the house, um, screaming match. Um, They give me 30 days to pay it off or deed the properties over to them. The The bank said- properties. Yes, ma'am. So the bank says, hey, uh, you make- x and they don't make anywhere near x can't cut you loose could i stand as a guarantor no because what would be the consideration for that you're not an owner anymore so why would you want to guarantee the debt plus my mom had guaranteed uh through her trust because the loan was getting pretty high um the debt as well so they're like well why would your mom stay on and we really need her to bridge this gap so uh being young dumb and um completely arrogant. Uh, I went back to them and said, well, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, I'm not going to deed them over to them either. And if you come after me, your son's going to go down as well, because after all, I wired him the money. So what happens is they go up to the U.S. attorney uh, in Milwaukee and made a deal where uh, they received a guarantee that there wouldn't be any prosecution for them. And this um, was your, your aunt and uncle. Correct. Or, okay. or, or my cousins or my partners, okay. they got okay. a blanket deal. And um, which was, I mean, that was the right thing for them to do. And um, that would, what would be the impetus or the start for me to get looked at completely at all from start of career to this complete screw up. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that, so that's pretty interesting because do you, do you, did your cousin just fake your aunt and uncle's signature on on that or or who who did that so this is one of those moments where i will answer you this way i wasn't in the room they came back signed i notarized them so how that got done got it i I don't want to say because i wasn't there got it okay all right so then the so your business partner slash family like pretty much like teamed up against you and like three under the bus or how does that, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make, um, I guess a short statement out of, out of what happened with the attorney's office and the whole thing. So typical immigrant people, right. Mm-hmm. And they don't want any debt in their house and they understand that this is a complete uh, unethical misgiving. Mm-hmm. It, does, it doesn't take someone with a, a higher level of education to piece mm-hmm. this all together. So they want it gone. They, they don't want to run the risk of, I stop paying, something goes sideways, right, right. they want it gone. Mm-hmm. So when they come at me um, hard, um, rough, you know, angry, which they should have been, mm-hmm. um, I put up resistance and say, hey, I'm, I'm making the payments. I'm, after all, right? I mean, I'm me, I'm a good credit risk. I'll, I'll make the payments. I'm making good money. Why are you mad, right? Uh-huh. And um, looking at it so myopically and so uh one siding one-sidedly for just myself right i say hey you know relax it's going to be okay well you know if you have a mortgage on your house for uh dollars and you know your house should be free and clear why would you idly stand by and say yeah it's okay forget about it you'd be oh, mad totally. right? yeah no one's yeah. gonna do that yeah yeah so um 
when they dug their heels in, they said, I'll give you 30 days to pay it off or, or to come up with this plan where I, I just give them the properties. Yeah. And I, I couldn't get it to budge. and I didn't have the money to pay it off. Uh, I dug my heels in and they took the avenue that would protect themselves. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so where'd your cousin land in all this? Oh, wow. Uh, they lost all the properties. Um, the bank took it back in foreclosure. And this is, it's a perfect storm because it's during a time um, right after President Obama came in office and the market inverted. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say you had a duplex that was worth uh, $150,000 Tuesday, it might be worth $70,000 on Friday. Yeah. Uh, so it was ugly, couldn't sell them. Um, nobody wanted them. Mm-hmm. People were having a hard time making rent. So the cash flow became severely impaired. And then obviously, um, when they took the necessary steps to remove me, um, they didn't have anybody making the income level to offset the cash flow, right? So sure. they lost them all. Um, my, my mom, uh, boy, <clears throat> my mother lost everything. Uh, and she lost her house. She moved in with my wife. Um, and I, and I ended up going to Terre Haute Federal Prison Camp uh, for 27 months. Mm-hmm. And my wife took my mom in and my mom, my wife, and my two little girls lived together till I came home. Wow. Um, okay. So then let's, let's back up a little bit. Oh, sure. I'm falling down here. Um, so when, like, ha- how did the trial, was there a trial? Was there? A, oh, no, no, no. Trace, what happens, go. you know, uh, you in your extensive experience has, you've learned more about this or forgotten more than I'm ever going to learn. But you know, the United States government is like father time. They're undefeated. So there is, there is no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to trial against the United States government. No, that, no. Um, You know, uh, if you ever think uh, in your mind, can a person be so scared that you can't generate any saliva in your mouth? When you get paperwork that says the United States of America versus your name, you're like the Mojave Desert in your throat. There is, there, it is the scariest thing I have ever seen or read in my entire life. You, you are the second person who's told me that, and you know who the first person who told me that was not long ago was Lance Armstrong. Same thing. He's like, just like you said, there, when you see that, and uh, you know you're toast. Oh yeah, it's it's a wrap. The movie credits are playing. Yeah. So I got a lawyer uh, in, up here in Milwaukee, and he said it was his expertise. And he said, uh, you know, you need to work with me to make a plea because, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and at that point, Tracy, uh, it's weird because, um, no, it's not weird. It's, it's, it's faith-based, it's family, you know, you're exposed and the cat's out of the bag and you did it. Um, what are you going to do? All right. I mean, you can either be one of these people who goes and says, I'm a victim. They were out to get me, mm-hmm. witch hunt. No, I did it. I'm responsible for it. It's my mess. Mm-hmm. So at that point, um, once I retained counsel and he started working through the process, um, I made up my mind. I was going to fully cooperate as, as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I have another question and this goes back to kind of the first of this whole thing. So you were in business with two cousins. Yes. One drained the account. What happened to that guy? I mean, because because you you did this out of desperation, right? Because because people people um, do things like you did. Uh, one is desperation, and two is opportunity, and th- and three is rationale, right? So I I get why this happened, and I get that you had the tools to get it done. Um, 
but what what about like the 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 account drainer like i'm so curious well um i'm going to answer you very candidly what happened to him is he was given uh coverage by the government when all this was unfolding and um he made peace with his brother and uh became away unscathed until they foreclosed on everything and now they have they have some pretty sizable judgments against them oh. um but he's you know there's karma he he's had some run-ins um to say this tactfully uh he's had some run-ins with local authorities in kenosha about behavior um with um females so oh wow uh, okay okay he's had, he's had some things happen to him um i but you know what hey listen um my life, uh, it, it's a miracle because my wife stayed 88% of all marriages and in divorce when someone does something like I this. I heard that. And so I want to talk about that. So one day, uh, you know, you're like, ha had you been lying to your wife this whole time or just kind of not telling her what's been going on or? Oh, no, completely not disclosed. Um, I mean, I, I had success. I, I walk you through. I'm a vice president by 33. I'm a senior vice president by 36. I mm -hmm. uh, went to Catholic school and went to the University of Wisconsin. I, I wasn't a, a dumbbell. Right. Um, but what happened to me is that, uh, and I would equate it to an ER doctor who sees death repetitively. Okay. I became, I became uh, immune and lost my respect for money. To the point I've heard that too from from big yep. like, like you, you just don't see the number of zeros anymore. It's just not you don't. A, and, yeah. and it caused me it caused me to become um morally bankrupt to the point where uh I felt uh resentful that I was helping people um become successful that I thought maybe um I, I was better than or I maybe was smarter than, or whatever it may be, or they used my skill set to improve their skill set. Complete asinine way to look at life. Um, and I think there's also a sense that um, when you're a bigger uh, fish in a small pond, uh, you think you can swim with uh, a great white shark, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have affluent customers and they're, uh, disposable cash is here and mine's here and you want to run with those guys it's not like I could go to my boss and say hey give me a whole bunch of money so I can hang out hang out with Tracy she's right. loaded yeah you yeah. try you, you do stupid ass things to try to play at the same level that these other people are at and you just simply can't mm -hmm. so what I'm saying to you nicely is you get in, you get to keep up with the Joneses mentality yeah you live way beyond your means and you don't respect the money you just blow it mm -hmm. uh because after all, you'll just make more of it. Right. Or get more of it somehow. Right. Okay. Correct. Okay. So, so then your wife kind of knows what's going on, but maybe not really knows what's going on. So how did all this no, come down? No, no, or? no. My wife was completely blindsided. Oh, completely blind. Okay. Okay. Yep. Completely so, so blindsided. So how, how did that unfold one day? Um, when my lawyer called, it, it had been a couple of years, you know, where they look and they dig and they dig into everything, right? Because once the meter starts, it's like Warren Buffett said, if a, if a state trooper follows you for 500 miles, you're getting pulled over a ticket, something's happening, right? Right, right. So once they start digging and it comes to the point where my attorney says, hey, look, there's movement, this is going to happen or, or 
or lays out a set of, of what potentially could happen. Um, and I go home and I, and I drop this, you know, complete uh, bombshell on her and my mom and everyone else in my family. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no, there's no way to tell you uh, I talk a lot but I, and I'm an English major. I don't have the words to tell you the shame uh, that one feels at that point. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's disgusting. And, um, to my wife's credit, um, she, uh, looked at it and said, uh, we'll talk. Uh, we did. Um, it was a one and done. It wasn't a three strike thing. I, I'm not going to, I will, I have kids believe in the sanctity of marriage. This is my wife's words. I'm not going to leave, but there won't be, there won't be a sequel to this movie. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, I'll stick it out with you. You, you show me you change or, or we're done. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So then, so then, um, had like, how, how long did you go away to prison camp for? Like, tell, tell me so, about, you know, about you that. do, I got sentenced to 35 months, but in the federal system, I think you do, I think it's 80, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like 85% of the sentence. Mm-hmm. So I did 27 months. Okay. And then, you know, a lot of people do, um, you know, they, there's kind of two kinds of people that go into that situation, right. Into, into, um, prison. One is the kind of, they just like waste their time. They try to avoid the whole issue altogether. And there's other people who really take the time to, um, I guess, go internal, understand themselves better, improve themselves. What, what side of the fence are you on? Oh, I'm on the side of the fence that uh, there's no chance uh, ever that I want to even put my name on a chalkboard, let alone get in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people say, and I've heard people say to me, oh boy, it's the, it's the best thing ever happened to me. No, it's not. It's the most jarring thing that ever happened. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I don't mean disrespect to anyone, but I would say it's like someone who has a traumatic experience in their life, someone who maybe survived a disease or a car accident or, or had a, a, a huge oh, yeah. uh, event happen to them. And what's what Tracy, you know, so unfortunate is that the family goes to prison with the prisoner and they have it worse because they have to carry the burden of that person being gone, the shame or guilt in the community, and then try to piece their life together, waiting for your reindoctrination or reintroduction back into society. Yeah. I go away and I watch one blade of grass grow for almost 900 days, right? Because mm-hmm. there's nothing to do, but that's not exactly true. What you can do is try to rewire the way you think, what your priority levels are. Um, why would you ever do something so stupid? Yeah. And, and, the, and, it's, and the fear is not so much um, to me, for me, for my individual case, it wasn't the fear of, um, it was a fear of failure, right? I mean, everything I did or I'd accumulate, I was going to lose. So it was a fear of failure and loss of money. Um, and that's just such a horrible, horrible way to live your life. Um, but my, my mindset was I was going to come back a man, you know I mean? I was an entitled desk jockey, jelly donut guy, um, who, uh, had an upper middle-class life and didn't have any siblings. Um, and that was from 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 a perspective of my one brush with the law was a speeding ticket mm-hmm. um, to go to where I went. Um, you know, people say, well, how long did you need to be, to be there 
before you would have learned your lesson and you were, would have been um, rehabilitated to the point about 20 minutes. Um, yeah. Know, once you walk in there, it'll, it'll grab you pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So what, how, what'd you do with your time when you were in there? Well, I went to, I got a job. Um, what were you doing? To, I'm not handy. So I got a job in the wood shop. Okay. Uh, Cause my wife said, could you actually come home and maybe be able to do something when you come home? Right. <laughs> So I went, I went, I got a job in the wood shop. I did that for the first six months. Mm-hmm. And then I went to work for, um, in the warehouse, um, we're in Terre Haute. It's a three, um, facility complex. So they have a camp, uh, a medium facility and maximum facility and one warehouse. So I went to work as a clerk, uh, in the warehouse mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, it's 29 cents a day. Uh, you work, um, anyone who's under this misnomer that there's club fed and it's like the Wolf of Wall Street movie. No, I mean, it, it's not, it, it's nasty. And, um, it, it's a situation where God took a front end loader, scooped people from all different walks of life together and said, okay, you screwed up, live together and sort it out. And it, it's, um, there's, there's, there's decent human beings there. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then there's people who truly deserve to be there. Uh, and, and I did, I deserve to be there. I, I, I deserved the punishment, mm-hmm. but it's a tough environment. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's not, it certainly is. So, so when you say camp and then you said medium facility and maximum facility, like, I think, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, the medium facility and the max facility. What is the camp part? Like, uh, cause you can kind of walk around a little bit, can't you? And kind of get, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. It, you, you, you have the one strike um, um, philosophy of y- you are not uh, someone who took a life or um, severely injured or impaired someone. So you get to you walk around basically in uh, say dockers and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the ability to have a job. Uh, you, you have ability to take some of your um, time and call it your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning you could exercise or, or read or go to a library. Your movements are less restricted. Um, however, um, the reality is you're, you're counted several times a day where you're stand, standing against a wall. Um, you're in an environment where um, th- there, is not, there is no sense of, of relaxation or uh, you can let your guard down or, you know, there's this, this phrase that, uh, while well, you're institutionalized. Um, to me, that means uh, a person has been there so long that <clears throat> any chance of the outside world or any connection, they, they let it go and they just take this as, well, this is my life now. Um, but it, it's, uh, man, Tracy, I can't explain to you. It, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's hell. It, it's, it's not easy. Now, here's here's a question that's semi unrelated, but I've always been curious to know more about because um, there, there's an economy in prisons, is there not? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, there is. Like, like yeah. talk about that a little bit, because because you always hear about, oh, they bought a, a cell phone from the guard for eight hundred dollars or whatever. Oh, I don't know anything about that. I know that there's there's like if you um, if you make friends with someone who works in the laundry mm-hmm. and you'd like your clothes folded or put back in your bag and brought to your bunk mm-hmm. um stamps or mackerel mm-hmm. or a bag of tuna yeah there's an internal currency like that absolutely um and wait where where do you where'd you get a can of tuna do they have like a oh you sell it's a bag it's a it's a tear bag you can okay. buy it's commissary 
Okay. Okay. So, so it's, 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 it's not too dissimilar from the outside world where you're exchanging goods for service, right? Right. Right. It's just in the form of stamps or food. Oh, wow. So then, um, again, on this, on the subject, I, I, I wrote a ski lift once from a guy uh, with a guy that said he was responsible for inventing, uh, or hosting the prison like almost like a paypal system for for prison is that true do y'all have cash or did you have a, a like a computer system with your balance in it or how did all that work oh so from the outside world um if if you're incarcerated and someone from your family wants to send you money the the um the street phraseology would be it's on your books but yeah basically they go online and they would send money through a, an eft um, electronic funds transfer to yeah. your account. And then you could use that for commissary or maybe buy a pair of tennis shoes or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that guy went skiing in Vail. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> he must have a lot of money on his books. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So then, um, so what happens when you get out? Like, I mean, are you, what's your family doing? Are that are we able to, I mean, you're, you're working now, right? I am. Yeah, I am. Um, when you get out, um, the first the first uh, few months that I was out, I was on home confinement. So you have to check in with a probation officer. And even though I didn't have a drug, uh, I did not have a drug crime. I've never taken any drugs. Uh, you still have to go and and you know have urine samples and behave by all the, all the yeah, yeah yeah all the rules and regulations. And then once you're off of that um, home confinement. Mm-hmm. I think you punish yourself more than when you were being punished because there's a, there's a, there's a thought in your mind that, you know, are you, am someone looking at me? Are they judging me? Um, yeah. There are, there are people, there are people when I was in the banking world who would don't do zero business with me uh, for whatever reason, they didn't like the way I comb my hair, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But when they talk to me now um, and it's so dumb, uh, there's a, a, a lure or a sense of Tony Soprano to it. And they want and they want to gossip or what was it like and uh, what did uh-huh. you do and and you know I'm an Italian guy and I don't want to stereotype anybody but it's some people in that culture who think it has some sort of uh, glamour or yeah, some sort a little bit yeah yeah excellent word mm-hmm. it doesn't believe me it, it it doesn't there's there's nothing dramatic or or sexy or alluring about any of it right um, so that's one thing uh, I was married once before I have two older children. I have no relationship with them. Mm. Uh, it's impossible to try to bridge that gap. Um, try, uh, try desperately, um, but it's it's not coming to fruition. Right. Um, I think if I showed you my Indeed account, I have 2,153 jobs that I had applied for uh, from, say, uh, November of 2015 until last year. Mm-hmm. I might have had 123 responses. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not one that if you were if you were going to interview me, I don't let you find it. I tell you, uh, because I'm one Google click away from you knowing everything about me, anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even for someone who's never gotten in trouble, you're one Google click from finding. Oh, something everybody out, is, right? yeah. So I I just I disclose it. Um, but uh, I was in a box mentally about it. I exercise a ton, uh, but the greatest cathartic thing I found is working with the uh, American Certified Fraud Examiners and doing this or doing um, a presentation for them at a conference because uh, legitimately, it, if um, 
if I could stop somebody from thinking or doing or even considering what I did, mm -hmm. um, I feel fantastic. And I, and I know that if somebody says this, yeah, that this, that'd never be me. I said that too. I used to go to those conferences and be bored out of my mind and say, could you pass me a Danish? And why do I have to listen to this guy? Mm -hmm. You know, right. But yeah. the temptations there, uh, you never know what pitfalls going to come in your life or what life throws at you. And um, I, I used to think, uh, what a waste of time. But I'm so grateful that someone like yourself or ACFE gives people uh, a forum to, to get this out. Because truly, if I could stop someone from even considering it, I'd feel a heck of a lot better about myself. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad that you've been so open and honest because it's not easy to talk about. Um, but I think today you've probably stopped a couple people who are thinking about it. Uh, because the glamour is just not there. And um, ACFE is fantastic. And, and they're the ones that, that connected me with you. And now, were we at the same conference or did I, did I miss your session? I can't remember. I was in, um, I was at Columbus, um, in a not at Columbus, but I did the Zoom uh, in April. Right, and that's right. I missed your session. I had another appointment in it because it was all virtual. You know, there was almost a thousand people on that. On that um, oh, it's event. fantastic. I had the pleasure of going to their global global conference in 2017 in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, cute story. Um, my wife, you know, she she's uh, she's not like her personality is much different than mine. She's more reserved. Um, she doesn't talk as much as I do. Right. Uh, so she was giving me like this, you know, Vince Lombardi speech. It's going to be great and blah, blah, blah. You're going to be fine. I had some nerves. Right. And so we walked into the hall and uh, John Gill was there from the uh, ACFE. And I said, you know, John, how many people are in this room? He says, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know, anywhere between uh, four and 5,000. And my wife, who had been so encouraging, 20 seconds later, looked at me and said, oh, you're screwed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, gee, thanks. But um, it was awesome. It was, um, I, I think what happens is, Tracy, and you, you do this for a living, but I think there's so many people in my spot who try to defer the blame mm -hmm. or brush off the blame or almost make themselves a victim. No, I did it. It's my screw up. I'm responsible for it. I have to own it. Um, and I think that if, if you take that approach, A, it's easier to deal with, right? For me, mm -hmm. but B, um, if I'm, a, I'm not, see, I don't want anyone just to blindly trust me. I'm just asking for the opportunity to be trusted. Right. Right. And I think it just, even if it's a shred of credibility, you gain a little by just being honest and saying, yeah, you know, I screwed up. I did it. Yeah. Now that is interesting because, because you're, because you're, you are working. How do you, um, what, what kind of job do you have? Like, is it, do you, do you think you want to do something else or something different or what, like, how, how are you feeling about your potential? Well, I'm in sales. I'm a little older in the tooth. Um, and I'm, I'm working in the sales environment and I was honest in the first 10 minutes of the interview, mm -hmm. uh, what happened. Uh, I was able to show them a portion of my ACFE presentation from Nashville on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they, they were willing to, you know, give me a chance. Uh, I, I wish there was something I could find um, fraud helping related that I can incorporate into my life, honestly, because mm -hmm. um, I still find myself with a toll uh, from a distance, looking at financial services, watching interest rates, um, 
helping people when they try to refinance their home loan or Mm -hmm. what does this mean or what does that mean? So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a part of me that's ingrained and I don't know if I'll ever get out of me. Um, But uh, it's, it's not easy because I'm sure that if I meet someone uh, and they may want to do something business related, or even socially, if they check, it's going to be there. Mm -hmm. So people that I've met here at work um, that I I'm, find some camaraderie or friendship with, I tell them mm-hmm. and I say to them, Hey, you know what? You might not want to talk to me after I tell you this, but, uh, I want you to hear it from me. I don't want you to find it. Right. Uh, and here it is. Wow. Now, have you had anyone, um, just, just say thanks, but no, thanks. Not in the friend world, but in a couple of, actually I had an auto, a, a massive auto parts, um, store chain, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, offer me the job, um, as a regional sales person, right. I tell them what happened. I disclose, they say, no worries. Thank you for the honesty. Go ahead and still take the background check. I don't know how I pass the background check. Uh-huh. They send me the offer letter. Uh-huh. I get the offer letter from this person in Indianapolis, who's a higher level HR person. Mm-hmm. And I say, did the people in Illinois tell you this? Because I don't. And then I think about three days later, they rescinded the offer. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah, it, it's a couple of times where I've applied for jobs and got, mm-hmm. I don't know how, passed the background check. But um, Well, I'll <laughs> tell you how you pass the background check. And that is because I just interviewed... Um, Oh, shoot. Um, Private Eye Investigators. I heard her name's um, uh, Michelle Michelle Stewart, I believe is her name. Anyway. Um, no, that's not her name. Anyway, Private Eye's background checks. And um, those, they just got a, a, a check that was um, not very expensive. That's how that worked. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Background, it, it matters how much you pay for your background check. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I learned something from you today. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, so then are you going to stay doing what you're doing for a while? Are you looking to do new things or what's, what's, next oh, no, I like, you? I like, no, I like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just would like to incorporate a little bit more of, um, helping on this end into my life. Um, cause selfishly it feels good. And, yeah. uh, yeah. It, it takes a little bit of the, the scarlet letter of the stain away. Um, and, it helps me uh, try to connect with people and say, hey, you know, don't do this. Got it. So what's your, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Final tip. Oh, how can people get a hold of you? And then a final tip. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if people want to look me up. Um, my final tip would be, uh, you know, even the most holiest of thou mm-hmm. uh, has temptation. And uh, the first initial thought is to completely wipe it away and say, oh, no, no, no. But somehow, you know, it creeps back into your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you start to think that you're like a frying pan and you're Teflon. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, my tip is to you, it will stick. There's no cooking spray that'll get you out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do it. No matter what, don't do it. There you go. We heard it straight, straight from the man who knows. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.